Welcome to another episode of Burritos, Breaks, and Flies. Today we have a special guest, Sam Cedillo of Trout Unlimited. Thanks for joining us today, Sam. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we're excited to have you here. We know you're very busy. Um, we see a lot of traction out there with Trout Unlimited. So we're looking forward to kind of hearing um, about you and Trout Unlimited. And just kind of a tradition, we, we start off with kind of where we are since we're an on-location podcast and we are here at Louis Bass Corner and it's kind of different coming up today we're we're here a little earlier than we usually are and coming out of the street people are still driving around you open the door and I was I'm always kind of struck by how you're transported into another world <laughs> right right There's, it, it definitely puts you at ease when you get inside here I mean Outside's a different story. You can be, depending on what time of day it is, you can be on your own, but um, it's always a good time. But <laughs> So, yeah, and, and just kind of to start off, who is Sam Cedillo? T- tell us about yourself. Well, that's that's a great question. Hopefully I'll be able to answer it um, in a way that kind of explains a little bit more about how I got to where I am with Trout Unlimited and um, working here locally out of the Truckee Trout Unlimited office. So, um, going a little bit back, um, I am the public lands coordinator for Trout Unlimited, so that means I deal with um, anything that has to do with um, improving habitat and access on public lands uh, in places that you can fish for trout, salmon, and, steel- and steelhead. Um, so looking back on how I got to this position, um, I went to Colorado State University in Fort Collins, Colorado, where Initially, I was majoring in wildlife biology, but after I took a great fisheries class um, that really allowed for me to see the practical side of both fisheries management and also how, um, you know, I could make a difference in terms of the fisheries world, I switched into uh, fisheries biology and natural resources major um, and dropped the wildlife biology major. So um, a, a little bit of a change. And then additionally, while I was in Colorado, I really was able to pick up a lot of, um, or I was able to go out and fly fish quite a bit since there's a river that ran straight through our campus pretty much. Um, and I was able to latch onto the first people that I found that knew how to fly fish. And basically, um, I didn't force them to take me, but I, um, strongly <laughs> encouraged them to take me whenever they could. So, um, it was really cool. So through both being able to, you know, improve my fly fishing skill and then also connect with the resource through my major and see how it kind of all fit together in terms of, um, you know, fisheries management and fishery science often has to do with improving fishing. Um, so through that and through some other connections that I made both in college and then also in the fly fishing world here in California where I grew up, um, uh, in the Bay Area, so I, I, I came up to this year's quite a bit too, um, but I was able to get a job with Trout Unlimited and get an internship um, through some mutual friends and through um, somebody who also went to Colorado State University, my previous supervisor, Dave Lass, um, and then from there, I've been in Truckee for about the past five years and really been able to both, um, you know, connect the work that I do with Trout Unlimited with the fishing experiences that I have on our California rivers. So, um, you know, I've, you know, that's the short story about it. There's, there's quite a bit more to it as well, but you know, I'm just fortunate that, you know, being able to have something that I love in terms of fly fishing has connected me to, um, both the, um, 
schooling that I did in college and then also my current job. So, Did you see any differences for fly fishing in Colorado versus California? You know, that, that's a good question. So um, when I went to Colorado, um, I really quickly had to learn how to fish with light tippet and small flies. And that's kind of the, um, you know, way in which to succeed on a lot of the tailwaters, specifically in Colorado, because they're really heavily fished. Uh, clean cold water and uh, the fish are pretty picky so um, in Colorado I was mainly nymphing did a little bit of dry fly fishing and hopper fishing during the summers but um, I really had to improve my nymph game in order to succeed in order to catch fish well (laughs) or actually be able to go out and catch catch a fish Um, so you know when I came to Truckee and came to um, some of the Sierra rivers around here a lot of that translated just because Again, you're fishing tailwaters, you're fishing heavily pressured fish. There's a lot of people that come up from all around the state to come and fish the Truckee and Little Truckee Rivers. So pretty much all the, you know, nymphing techniques that I used, which, um, you know, needless to say, is pretty much just uh, putting, um, you know, flies underneath the bobber and getting them down to the fish came into handy when I came out here to California. So, um you know, there's there's been a, a couple other things that have developed since then in terms of the ways that I fish out here, but a lot of the stuff that I learned in Colorado directly translated to fishing here in California and, and Nevada. So it was almost like a natural transition going over to, like, to the little trucky. Yeah. That that's that's you can say heavily pressured. Yeah. Is is a definitely. word for that. <laughs> but same thing. You have you have very clear water, it's a constant tail water, mm-hmm. the fine tip it, um, you yeah, know, I think maybe probably yeah a little bit of variety of the dries you use on there, but it's it's I mean it's beautiful, but it's yeah. a challenge. But maybe uh, aside from that, from being the challenge, you do a lot of work on the little trucky, don't you? I mean, yeah, is, is that like no, kind of it seems like a flagship in a way of like visual yeah. flagship for for TU in that area? Is, is that would I be off on saying that, or maybe you can dive into that a little bit? Yeah, the little trucky is definitely one that uh, our body water that we really care about with Trout Unlimited. Um, you know, first of all, it has special regulations. Um, currently, it's you know catch and release artificial and barbless lures from you know November till April every year, and then the you know the general trout season, as they call it right now, is a two fish limit with a slot limit as well. So you have to you know be very specific if you do end up taking fish. But ninety nine percent of the anglers there practice catch and release. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really important water because there's only a few waters in California that provide that specific opportunity in terms of catch and release fishing and having a really um, self-sustaining wild trout fishery. Um, so that was initially what, um, you know, is both important for Trout Unlimited and that's all the guides that we work with in the area. Um, so back in 2015, and I, w- I wasn't really a part of this project, um, I got brought on kind of right when it started, but back in 2015, um, Trout Unlimited and the local Trout Unlimited chapter, and then also um, some partnering agencies implemented the little Truckee Fish Habitat Improvement Project which really kind of took um, the concept of improving fishing in a location on the river that needed improvement. Um, and for those of you that aren't familiar with the Little Truckee River, um, you know, a lot of the guides, at least previously, would tell you that, you know, 90% of the fishing takes place in the top 10 to 15% of the river. So we wanted to kind of improve that lower part of the river in an area that was, um, you know, historically low in catchable fish populations um, and we wanted to improve that area by putting in new structures such as large reed debris, boulders, root wads, um, 
all that stuff, which would create holding water, feeding water, and uh, really good year-round habitat for adult trout. Um, so that was the brown trout and rainbow trout that are in the river. So, you know, additionally, that big project went through, and then throughout the year we'll have volunteer projects that take place on the river itself, which we utilize our grassroots um, membership as well as other agencies to come out and basically do these um, small projects that don't require any heavy machinery um, that ultimately have a big effect in terms of you know creating better access or focus access or planting willows or putting in spawning gravels for fish so really it's a river that um, we've developed um, both in terms of the large-scale restoration projects and then bringing in additionally the volunteer and um, angler component too in order to allow for people to take ownership of it apart from you know big permit requiring projects that we do um, so really from that project we've been able to spearhead um, other projects in the Truckee area because of the trust that's built um, through being able to successfully implement a large-scale project such as um, the little Truckee fish habitat improvement project so um, from there we've done Truckee River projects and then hopefully we want to continue to develop um, you know more little Truckee River projects if that's possible and then um, continue to implement large-scale projects on the main stem of the Truckee River in California as well. Um, so uh, on top of that, we have a, we actually have one planned. Um, this is a st not a staff-led project, but a staff-supported project for the Truckee Trout Unlimited chapter, and they're doing another project on the Glenshire stretch of the Truckee River, okay. which is a similar project, basically putting in you know uh, rock structure to improve large fish habitat. Oh. Great. in an area that currently doesn't have a whole lot of good fish habitat. So um, I'm happy to touch up on that a little bit later. But, um, yeah, that's kind of our our um, our love for the little Trekkie definitely runs deep, and I know a lot of people care about that river both in California, Nevada, and nationwide. Absolutely. And I, from, from what I've noticed um, in my experience, the little Trekkie has – quite a draw from obviously California side, but even on the Nevada side, on mm -hmm. the Nevada side, um, it's a natural draw for us. If we're traditionally fishing the lower main Truckee, um, especially in the heat of the summer, we get mm -hmm. dog days and we're like, Hey, we're, we're not gonna, we're not gonna, you know, tempt fate mm -hmm. of the fish down here. You go up there and I mean, you have the lower water temperatures. Sure. You have a little bit of traffic, but to speak to the actual restoration work you have done, mm -hmm. you know, um, it's, it's great. I mean, even though it's, you can consider it artificial, mm -hmm. it doesn't look artificial. Everything has a natural look, a natural like process to it. And it's from my experience, just being a fly fisherman has provided some pretty wonderful habitat Yeah, and constantly and, and repeat, like you get fish cycling through that new environment. You know, they're not afraid to come back. They're not mm -hmm. super exposed. I think you guys have done, pretty pretty great job yeah fish. yeah and exactly it's, only, water, it's really only artificial in the way that it was placed there it's all locally right. sourced trees um you know rocks that come from a local quarry but like you said it really provides you know new opportunities in that stretch of river where there wasn't previously any um you know fish will move up from boca reservoir into that stretch as well so you get a healthy number of lake run fish that'll move through there and really being able to provide that structure allows for you know some really good uh, particular, tr particularly speaking to the dry fly fishing that you can get during the summer um, in that middle stretch where we did the restoration project or habitat improvement ex project, excuse me. 
Um, but yeah, it, it's really, you know, ultimately if we can provide more opportunities for people to fish and improve a resource that, um, you know, can be self-sustainable and can naturally, um, establish itself more and more over the years. And that's, you know, that's a slam dunk for us in terms of a project that we care about. Sure. One of the, um, goals of our podcast is to, you know, let people connect with those opportunities out there to give service. Mm -hmm. And how does somebody volunteer to, uh, help with projects? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. So, um, we have a lot of ways in which you can connect with local projects and then also, um, statewide, both in, in Nevada and California. So we have, um, you know, if you're not a member, the easiest way would be to become a member. <laughs> so go on to our Trout Unlimited website. Um, you know, our membership costs are $35 a year. And then from there, you can sign up to a chapter within your region. So if you were in, let's say, Reno, you get connected to the Sagebrush chapter, which does a great job both um, in terms of supporting the projects that we do. And then they also um, have some of their own projects and then send people up to Truckee as well for projects. So. If you're in Reno, you get connected with that chapter, and then you'd receive emails from them, and then sometimes also some information from us in Truckee. Additionally, um, if you're in Truckee or in California, you could sign up for um, the Truckee chapter, and then you get all those emails about projects that are coming up, both on the ground, um, fly fishing camps, etc. And then if you're not a member and you're still thinking about becoming a member, um, we post all of our events on social media, both on our Instagram page at Trout Unlimited California and uh, Truckee Trout Unlimited. Um, and then from there, we'll distribute that information on Instagram and also on Facebook too. So our Facebook accounts as well. We'll have those volunteer opportunities um, coming up too. So um, we'll always try and distribute that information both to our chapter members and then also to interested parties because ultimately, you know, don't always have to be a member to connect with the work, but ultimately we hope, hope to have people become members as well so um yeah it's a always a great place to volunteer in terms of uh, getting up on your local river and doing some on the ground work that makes a big difference absolutely and then and to kind of speak to your work on public lands it feels like the reach of trout unlimited has expanded beyond just hey let's let's save a fish let's save a trout mm -hmm. or a trout fishery have have you gone off it has it kind of expanded to where you're, you're reaching into public lands and to like maybe different areas where it's broader focus on the cold water conservation part. I mean, the trout are still part of it, yeah. but I mean, is there, I, I mean, you kind of like, yeah, to... no, I, I, th I think I, I think I got that question. I, um, so really we care about public lands that have any kind of connection to, you know, cold water resources. And it doesn't necessarily have to be like, we're going to only improve this stream or protect this certain river. Like we want um, the overall effect of public lands projects to have a, you know, big picture benefit to not only the fishing, but the hunting, the recreational right. access and usage. And then also too, in terms of like um, making sure those lands are properly maintained or the resources protected in terms of, you know, providing ability for people to enforce, um, you know, or make sure that illegal activities aren't going on on that public land, then we're all for that. Um, you know, kind of some examples would be like up north in California, on um, you know, in in on rivers such as like the South Fork Trinity, Mad Matoll. There's legislation that's in place that we've supported that provides all of those benefits to the public lands up there in terms of you know 
helping the salmon and steelhead populations, um, protecting against uh, illegal marijuana grows, and then also providing development for recreational usages um, on top of the fishing and fish benefits that it provides. So that, that specifically is the Northwest California Wilderness Recreation and Working Forest Act that we've been um, helping get through the House recently and um, recently got through the House in um, a recent vote. So we're really excited about that. But that's just kind of an example of, of what we care about in terms of specific um, public lands legislation or initiatives that we support. So maybe you said something yeah. interesting there with, with the illegal, like marijuana grows. Mm -hmm. For those that aren't familiar, maybe explain like what, is that, what does that have to do with the fish habitat? Yeah, so off in, the, off in the trees, maybe mm -hmm. you can dive into why that's important. Yeah, so specifically up, up in Northern California, um, and this is, this is something that our, um, some of our staff members um, on our Trout Unlimited California staff work on is um, the illegal marijuana grows specifically take water out of the tributaries that feed the main stems of rivers or sometimes specifically out of the main stems of those rivers that provide habitat for salmon and steelhead. So ultimately, you know, helping provide funding for enforcement, um, you know, such as with CDFW allows for them to make sure that illegal grows or illegal usage of those rivers is properly um, managed or maintained or enforced. So that's a whole other topic that I'm, I'm not as familiar with sure. because that's not my expertise work, but that's something that we care about is making sure that there's water that stays in, in rivers, especially when um, they're super vital for, um, you know, spawning salmon and steelhead. Right. So, yeah, it, it, all, it all kind of fits together sure. in terms of, sure. of uh, you know, what we try and, and get behind. No, absolutely. And then I think maybe the other aspect would be like if, if he had any runoff from any type of yep. growing facility you got all these phosphates and mm -hmm. all this stuff you know hitting the water and all of a sudden you have this crystal clear little stream bed now it's all mucky and green and slippery and you're like well what 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 happened you know yeah, like, there's, here's there's, like wait a second <laughs> out of that you know hmm, you know <laughs> for sure there's there's a ton of issues that um unfortunately are um, a byproduct of illegal growth so if they're properly um you know permitted and and, and it's illegal growth then that's great because they're normally you know regulating all that runoff that comes from their property so right anyways it's the illegal ones that are difficult <laughs> sure sure so maybe we can we can transition a little bit we love hearing about your work at trout unlimited and let me just say if you ever have the opportunity or you come across uh the trout unlimited office up in Truckee, um for one it's kind of the coolest little place yeah. you've been in there ben it's just like it's, it's an old house isn't yeah. it like a turn of the century yeah it's a it's a I think I think turn of the century, but it's just kind of one of the original buildings that went up in downtown Truckee. So yeah, um, it's, we have people above us living uh, living in the top unit, but our bottom unit definitely uh, has a homey feel to it. But allows for us to, you know, have six staff members working out of it, and then helps us direct some of the local initiatives and um, habitat improvement work that we're doing. So it's a great spot. Sure, and there there is an exceptional level of professionalism. When you walk in there, I catch that every time I walk yeah. in, I walk in like, Hey, what's up guys. And you're like, like, Hey, and it's <laughs> yeah. like, like we're knee deep in something. Yeah. What do you want? I always want to talk fishing. You're yeah. like, cool. Like. You know, having, having a trout unlimited sign above our office definitely invites people in, whether yeah. it's uh, somebody that's looking to uh, buy some flies or somebody that just wants to ask us a question, you know, and right. certainly we'll always 
um, you know, take a few minutes to talk to whoever comes in. But certainly is a place of work, and sometimes uh, it's pretty funny the crowd that ends up stopping into our office just because it's located in downtown Truckee. So right. <laughs> um, again, I'm not I'm not specifically encouraging, uh, you know whoever to come in but you know certainly we'll talk to you and uh make conversation about what's going on if you do stop in because uh you know certainly right. connecting with uh you know the local downtown Truckee crowd is is important in some way <laughs> absolutely absolutely no absolutely yeah. it, goes, it, goes, it, goes, it goes a long yeah. way but i i'd say it's very <laughs> quaint yeah, and i'm quaint, grateful yeah. for the time you took yeah um, yeah no it's it, I like that you're so close to the Truckee too, oh, being yeah. downtown. The, the river flows yeah. right through Truckee. Yeah. Um, and I was just curious, how do you guys decide or prioritize your different projects and initiatives? Yeah, that's, that's also a great question. Um, so really with staff, we have to raise money for our own projects, uh, whether that's through state, federal, private um, grants, and then also private donations as well. Um, so from there, we can, um, you know, if the funding allows for us to, um, or if we apply for specific funding for, let's say, the Truckee River, then that funding would be specifically for those activities um, that we do or those habitat enhancement projects that we do. So, um, you know, it, it really depends on what we end up pursuing and grants that we write. And then also, too, if, if we have any, um, you know, with being connected with the Truckee chapter, they can also help determine stuff that we work on as well because they're oftentimes our eyes and ears on the ground for what's going on in the watershed and um yeah it really it really kind of just depends on where the funding is and then also you know on top of our office we have projects in eastern sierra all the way out kind of towards elko nevada and then all throughout california as well that have certain funding sources and um, certain restrictions that focus the work that we do. And, and kind of talking about that area you cover, I know Nico and I both know you're extremely busy, but personally, what are your favorite parts of the river? You don't have to give a specific spot, but yeah. do you have general favorite? Yeah, he doesn't give it on the podcast. He's going to uh, give it to Yeah. <laughs> you know, I like, Sections. I like all, all, all parts of the trek year unique in their own way in terms of the opportunities that they yeah, we provide. We talk about that a lot. Both for fishing, um, you know, techniques that you use. Uh, you know, I, I get into certain moods throughout the year in terms of what I want to pursue. Um, I don't mind going out and just throwing a, you know, indicator rig with a couple dumb flies underneath it if, if the fish are biting. Um, and a lot of times, you know, specific areas that I like um, during the you know, fall and winter, I like fishing the Little Truckee just because it, um, you know, generally speaking, there's a lot going on. Um, you know, fish are kind of angry and looking for, you know, looking to eat eggs, so it makes it a little bit easier for them to catch. Um, and then also throughout the year during the winter, I like the main stem of the Truckee kind of more towards state line, um, both in terms of, you know, going after um, – you know, kind of more aggressive fish that'll chase a streamer, and then also to just kind of dredging up uh, a couple big fish down that way with a, you know, egg or um, egg bead betas pattern that um, I throw. So, anyways, there's there's a whole bunch of opportunities. So in winter and fall, I like little trucky, and then kind of the main stem of the trucky towards state line, um, kind of more towards the spring and summer. Um, I like kind of the Hirschdale and Confluence area of the trucking and little trucky just because again once that you know the runoff comes through this fish will push to the edge of the river and kind of take whatever you're throwing as long as it's brightly colored or dark colored um 
so I like fishing around there quite a bit. Um, and then I haven't fished the Nevada side as much as I'd like to, but, um, you know, certainly I'd say I'm kind of restricted towards more of the popular areas that people, that people fish down there, which I'll, you know, remain nameless since, uh, <laughs> most people already probably know about the popular access down there. But, um, sure. yeah, I think, I think what I like about, um, you know, our fishing on the Truckee River and Little Truckee Rivers is going to provide something, you know, year-round, whether it's, you know, the PMD hatches in June and July in the Little Truckee River, Carpenter Ant hatches in May, um, you know, kind of the, um, you know, fall fall egg bite that happens and fall and winter egg bite that happens on the Truckee and Little Truckee. And that's always going to be fun. And, you know, there's such quality fish that, you know, exist in the river that you know it's always worth spending a few hours and trying your best to catch one of them do you remember the first fish you caught on the truckee um that's a great question i i remember the first fish that i caught when i came back out from colorado to start working in um in truckee so that was actually right um below one of our um restoration project sites we did a project in horner's corner which is the DFW loop right off of Highway 80 right before the Hurstdale exit and I went and I fished right below the loop um, at kind of high water so downstream of the Highway 80 bridge which marks the downstream end of that yeah. property so Horner's Corner so there's a there's a you know nice little run I threw on a I don't know I think I had a San Juan worm and a pheasant tail or some other betas pattern and threw it in and I got I don't know it's like a 12 14 inch rainbow that nice pretty pretty wild fish that certainly is kind of the average fish that you'll catch in the Truckee river and um you know took uh dredging a a pretty deep pool that was there so again that's that's the exact same you know kind of setup that i would have used right before in colorado before i came out and uh yeah it works just fine on the Truckee. And you said some you said some great words there. I'm curious, did you catch it off the Betis or the San Juan? I think I caught it off the San Juan. Yeah. Um, yeah. And again, most yep. you know, I I throw I throw total junk whenever I'm fishing the Truckee River. Again, I'm not opposed to fishing, you know, squirmy squirmy wormies, you know, in the hot pink variety, um, you know, six or eight millimeter beads with a, you know, size 14 stinger hook on back of that, and then, you know, whatever actual nymph for aquatic life, uh, a little nymph tailing off of those two flies will will imitate but that's always a good rig to throw on the truckee and that's what i tell and any of the presentations i give to clubs throughout the state um is is the fish in the truckee don't mind eating junk <laughs> you don't have to <laughs> yeah. you don't have to throw the the purest patterns to get them to eat no that's that's true and that's one thing that 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 i know ben and i <clears throat> are pretty big on is is the san juan mm-hmm. there's there's no shame over here on throwing the one and i think personally i've caught some of my biggest some of my biggest fish in the truckee mm-hmm. off of a one you know in, in yeah. a tailwater and a high water event you know i think i have some exceptions to that rule but it's i mean you know but there, there is quite a few people out there be like oh you're not you're not you're not fly fishing yeah you know, you're like no actually i i, I am yeah. fly fishing <laughs> <laughs> Again, I mean, that goes. <laughs> that go, I mean, that goes into the whole, you know, philosophical side of things. Sure. Again, fly fishing can be whatever um, can be unique for each person, and it can still be fly fishing, and you can still be connecting with the resource through, you know, doing whatever, throwing whatever flies, and you know, certainly, you know, kind of going a little bit back to Trout Unlimited, where, uh, you know, typically 
clumped in with a fly fishing crowd, but it's it's ultimately an organization that represents all anglers and all cold water interests in terms of trout, salmon, and steelhead. So um, ultimately, we want to be um, accepting of all types of people and all types of fishing that they do, as long as as long as you're not like fishing for spawning fish or you know doing right. stuff like that or, or mishandling or mistreating the resource or taking advantage of it. We just want for you know people to connect with it in the right way and. That can be through fly fishing, that can be through conventional fishing, that can be through just looking at fish or walking along the river. It's it's all encompassing in terms of, you know, the the types of people that ultimately comprise Trout Unlimited. And, sure. and most of the fly fishermen that we talked to started out as mm-hmm. traditional anglers. And mm-hmm. I was curious, you had mentioned how in college in Colorado you really made an effort to latch on to mm-hmm. your f- other fly fishers what what was it being an angler what was it that attracted you to the fly fishing part of it what made that you know uh, that, something you wanted to do the, yeah that's a great question too um so that kind of brings me way back to before i was even fly fishing um i remember driving along the carson pass or whatever road that is out of South Lake Tahoe. And we, um, my family would come up to Zephyr Cove every summer um, just to hang out and go to the beach and hike and all that. But I remember driving along the West Carson River um, off of whatever that road is, and I remember seeing somebody fly fish and seeing that, you know, and making that, you know, beautiful loop that you see when you imagine fly fishing. And I thought it was really cool, and I, I could see him making drifts and all that, and it immediately sparked my interest because it was so different from anything that I had seen. Um, and they were doing it on a really, you know, pretty river and picturesque river. And I wanted to be doing that with them or be t- being take or taking part in that experience that they're doing yeah. on the river. Um, and, you know, being five or six at the time and seeing them fish in a small, clear Creek, I was like, well, why can't I see the fish that they're fishing for? Which again, that was just me. <laughs> uh, uh, me being a, a young kid that didn't understand how fish I, I hide in the river and all that. Yeah. <laughs> you still <laughs> ask yourself. Well, it's even better when you can't see the fish, but a lot of times you don't, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, so so seeing that and seeing that unique way in which that person was interfacing with the river was something that immediately sparked my interest. And then from there, I actually had a, a teacher in high school that taught me a little bit about fly fishing and kind of got me started in terms of helping me you know, figure out what gear to buy and all that. And then, um, you know, in college, you know, taking it to the next step in terms of finding other people that were my age that really cared about fly fishing and were really passionate about it was, was really fun. And not only, you know, learning from them and developing my own skill, but the camaraderie that developed from it, um, you know, ended up being more appealing than, you know, the pretty casting technique that I saw way back when, when I was five or six years old. Um, and it kind of ultimately all of that really kind of made made me interested in fly fishing and made me interested in you know kind of going down the line of finding a conservation conservation job or or um, job in which I could work with fish and anglers. Yep, absolutely. Ben just wrote burrito. Oh, okay. On our notepad. <laughs> I'm, guessing, I'm guessing you're only wanting to get to that, to that part of the podcast. I was uh, picturing our times out on the river, mm-hmm. and it's way past lunch, and I started to get hungry. Mm-hmm. Made me curious, mm-hmm. you know. 
Yeah, so this this is going to be interesting one. I think we're going to really dive in on this one with you because I know your locality uh-huh. in Truckee. There's a lot of great places, and maybe you have a favorite burrito in that neck of the woods, but I kind of want to go beyond that. So let's yeah. let's touch on Truckee. Like, you're like, oh, I'm going out for a day or I'm coming back in. I do this, but we also maybe want to take a trip to someplace else take that you've done. So yeah. however you want to do this, if you want to be so, on the trip right now or you want to start in Truckee and then we pack up, and move on out to the other location or vice or whatever just just you take the lead here but so so you're asking like what what i would want to eat when i'm on the river in terms of burritos or oh absolutely okay absolutely Um, yeah and 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 just to clarify this is if i could get any burrito or just more locally in Truckee. yeah i think we're getting our hopes up a little too high here on if anything both well both so 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 like okay you're you're up in Truckee. you're doing the little Truckee, big Truckee. Something in that area, you're like, this is my go-to. And then from there, like, if you're on the road, you have a, a place like out in the Trinity or any other place you've been, if it's in Colorado, you know, if you've had a terrific burrito. And if, it, if it's not a burrito, you can go any other place you want. But Yeah, well, um, let, let me think for a second. So in Truckee, I certainly have a couple spots that I've All frequented right. for burritos in the past. I just want to make sure I'm getting the... Uh, the names right here. So if I was to get a burrito in Truckee, it would probably be um, at the Golden Rotisserie. Um, mm-hmm. It's a good one. Uh, it has really good meat, great sauce. Um, it's actually really close to where I live, so I can always pick that up um, along the way to the river. Um, I'm a huge fan of carnitas. Um, that's my favorite um, type of meat to have in my burrito. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that really is kind of the the method in which I gauge a good burrito place is if they have good carnitas. Um, I can because tell you can get... by the way you're pronouncing it well, yeah, you so, know what you're talking so, about. So I am part Hispanic, <laughs> so that, that, is, that is one thing. Having a last name, Cedillo, and not spelled um, with a Y, it's spelled with two L's. Um, I, am, I am Hispanic, so I'm half Hispanic. Um, so I grew up with you know eating beans, burritos, all that. Um, but really, like, Having good carnitas in your burrito um, really makes it. And there's there's definitely bad bad carnitas and bad meat that you can get from from burrito and taco shops. Um, yep. And uh, Golden Rotisserie is not one of those. I, I do like their meat there. Um, so again, when I'm when I'm trying to find a good burrito, it comes down to meat. Um, and then on top of that, it's also the quality of the tortilla that they have too. Like, make sure they're not having like the store-bought variety mm-hmm. they can just pick up usually if they have some kind of either you know special tortilla that they make or if they you know have a really really good brand they maybe ordered from somewhere that that helps because um that's the thing that's encompassing the burritos the tortilla so again good tortilla good carnitas um really really helps me make a final decision on a burrito um but again i I'd have to say in terms of overall favorite burrito, and, and I'm not sure if it's the same quality as it used to be, but back back in the day, it was at Chavez Supermarket in the Bay Area, and it was literally a minute away from my house in Sunnyvale, California. Mm, and it had okay. it pretty much marked off all the you know boxes for, for a good burrito in terms of good beans, good rice, great meat, great tortilla, and then you know, they even had good guacamole too, which again, that, that can be kind of hit or miss with the 
I, I love it that, that, that it came well. from a market. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a market. Yeah. So, yeah, it's market. It's a, you walk in, so you're just the guy walking by, you're like, oh, market. Yeah. But when you go into the market. Yep, they have the back area in which there's a whole burrito or, or basically like a uh, Mexican food shop within its yeah. within the supermarket oh. side of it. Wow. And then from there you mm. can go order your burrito. It's basically like a, I don't know, it's a, a separate thing in and of itself. But, uh, yeah, they, they made great burritos and um, homemade, tortillas. homemade tortillas. A little uh, bit of transparency meat, to yeah, them. A little bit, yeah, a little bit of transparency. You oh. can wa- watch them cook the meat. You can watch them, you know, prepare the burrito in front of you. And right. Aside from transparency, what do you look for transparency. in a good <laughs> In a good I don't know. I don't know. Tortilla. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm a flour guy, so I really like flour tortillas, and that's what I grew up on. I'm not a huge corn tortilla fan. Sure. And again, with burritos, normally you don't have corn tortillas because the um, corn tortillas right. are for tacos. It's for tacos. Um, but Period. I love, I love flour tortillas, um, and it's really, it's, it's. I don't even know how to describe it, but it's not, it's not too thick. Um, it's, uh, I, man, that's. I don't know if I've ever had to describe a tortilla that I liked before in the past, but really it, it's, we're here to help. It's, <laughs> we're here to it's help. flexible enough okay. that you can pack the burrito tight enough. Right. And that it's not overcooked or over, overburnt when they're uh, warming it up for, for the burrito itself. And sure. Then, um, Does it stretch? It's not too starchy either. I mm. think, I think that's a, how about stretch? stretch? A little bit of stretch. Yeah. A little, a little bit, bit of stretch. stretch. So you can pack it tight and it's not going to burst. So, so so to back up so we're talking about the containment unit of yeah. the burrito so when we get into it when we get to the actual contents of the uh-huh. burrito um you you mentioned carnitas uh-huh are you the kind of guy that's like oh carnitas a little bit of cilantro onions and then back off or no, you yeah, still, I, or I, like, you, you, I like a lot of a lot of stuff on my burrito tell so us I've, about ratios so mm. I'd say I'd, I'd prefer it to be at least a third meat, and then I like, um, you know, another, I'd say maybe another third to about half the burrito to be a mixture of the beans, rice, and cheese, and then mm-hmm. um, on top of that, you know, the remaining third be, you know, salsa, onions, cilantro, um, I do like grilled onions on my on my burrito if they're available, um, and then I like a combination of for salsa I like pico de gallo, and then I like a little bit of green sauce and then red sauce. So um, getting the ratio that's important because you don't want it to be too soggy when you eat it, and you want for the salsa to mix in with the the beans and rice in a way that it doesn't totally make the tor- tortilla super soggy if you try and eat it the next day again mm-hmm. and you have some left right um so again that I, I think that's oh and then yeah sour sour cream i like a little bit of sour cream on there too um so i guess yeah pretty much everything that you want it's, on a burrito but it, it yeah. again it depends on that correct ratio yeah so it's kind of a equal opportunity approach yeah to a burrito yeah, exactly. but every, everyone's getting a fair shake uh-huh. um <laughs> and i get it i get i think i think Personally, I'm more on like the main event side, uh-huh. which is it's to some people is bothersome to me. It's like that's how I do it. Uh-huh. I like the tortilla just like you, the meat. But I take that meat will displace everyone else aside from like cilantro onions and maybe maybe something else. Yeah, Depends, I, I you can know, see that. You know, but you got to be careful with that because mm-hmm. that 
that can turn into a problem. Yeah, no, I, I, I a lot of protein at once. Yeah, and so it, <laughs> and it, I think it matters on your weather patterns too. If if we're if we're, if we're like in a in a winter yeah. type thing, a winter type event, you can go pro like we are now. We could go super pro protein mm-hmm. um, because we need a long term burn, you know. But yeah, the rest of the year, you know, we can do the whole. Um, you know, beans, rice, and what you're doing is just, just perfect. Yeah. So. No, it, it, uh, again, there's no specific right way to eat a burrito, but there are the right ingredients and the right way to prepare the contents in my right. opinion. So I think that all, that all kind of fits together in, in, in a way that makes a, a good burrito, a, a good burrito. So everyone's got what, it. So what, what, what about you two? What are your, what are, what are your favorite Whoa, we're burrito places? Oh, nobody's ever I know. Yeah. So what's your, what are your two favorite burrito places here and huh. locally, you know, for me, the burrito place down to, uh, what's that place? <laughs> okay. So, so Ben and I are both transplants, uh, years ago from, from Southern California. And there's really no shortage of quality burrito places in, in the Reno area, and uh-huh. even up in the Truckee area. Um, it's gonna be funny, and Ben will understand where I'm coming with this. But like, right now, for like quick on the whim to meet to get that main event burrito thing down, mm-hmm. I go for Roberto's by Atlantis, the Carnitas. Roberto's, okay. Yeah. Um, Let's try that out. Yeah, it's it's full, just full Carnitas, mm-hmm. cilantro, onion, okay. transparent tortilla like as ben calls it uh what is it It, jurassic park jurassic park so explain that to sam the jurassic park methodology on our burrito the scene where the t-rex is loose Uh and they're looking at the water cup yeah and the footsteps pulsate yeah that's that's what i'm talking about the grease if you had a burrito that that would have to happen in the grease or (laughs) I say, can I see my reflection? <laughs> you see your reflection. <laughs> right, right. And, and to combine that with a horchata. So that, oh, that's okay. the nice thing about this place. You can drive through real quick. It's authentic. It's a super clean place, which speaks volumes for the quality of burrito coming out. Usually the quality of burrito, um, the, the, the lower, like, the, the, the hygiene, I don't know, how did you say it? The dirtier the better the burrito, but this place kind of does it opposite. Like it's super clean. Somehow they still produce this great tasting burrito. So yeah, you don't walk away with burrito, the yeah. yeah, they don't have, this is the one exception to the rule. Normally our burrito places, we like to look for the negative. At least uh-huh. one. Google review. At least yeah, one. At least one Google review. Yeah. Yeah. Of food right. poisoning. Of food yeah. poisoning. We're like, oh, that's a positive because we're like, they can't handle it. We can handle it. Mm-hmm. That means it's doing its job as a burrito. Mm-hmm. The negative review. This place really doesn't have any negative reviews, so yeah, okay. you know people are just they understand, so they're not posting it; they're just dealing with it. Okay, it is what it is. Okay. So yeah, well, I, I make my and, mouth water. Yeah, yeah, Ben's got thinking one. about that. Where's you got one here, or what's your? I mean, you could, well, I mean, he's you got some locales. He, he I'm basically I'm going to sound like a jerk because <laughs> now I've I've switched over to a plant based diet a while ago. So yeah, that's too bad. I have two <laughs> alternative lifestyles of eating burritos. Uh-huh. One is extreme joy for taste buds. Okay. No holds bars. Uh-huh. And the new one is extreme joy for taste buds being now conditioned to yeah. enjoy it. 
after sacrificing the first category. Okay. So given my second category, I, I'm going to sound like some sort of yuppie, but I like Grateful Gardens. They've got this jackfruit burrito, okay. which is essentially the opposite of the burrito. Is it so wonderful? Not being familiar with that, what kind of establishment is Grateful Gardens? What would you say, Nico? You know them best. You yeah, yeah. Them. So it's it, it. We got a couple of them down here in Reno. Um, Gino is the uh, proprietor of them, uh, okay. and he does a great job of delivering. You know, some good protein dishes. You know, like your your traditional, like you got your salmons and stuff like that. But he also has a great um, offering for, you know, your vegans or vegetarians, and that's what Ben Ben's speaking to. So it's kind of like this this super wholesome nutritious meal you're not going to walk away sluggish and tired okay. you know um it has a pretty great following down here it's definitely fills a gap down here yeah. <laughs> of like you're like either this or this you know you're not either walking into a chain or you're just like someplace where like we were just talking about where it's just like meat overload mm-hmm. um they're very um very health conscious uh dishes there cool you know um and like i said you know he's got a couple in town and they're, they're it's really really worth really worth checking it out yeah, I'll have, so. to ch- I'll have to check them out sometime. Yeah, and it bends onto the jackfruit. Is that what you're talking about? The jackfruit? Yeah, the jackfruit. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy what you can do with the jackfruit. So, you know, if, if he had some meat overload, mm-hmm. you can roll over onto the jackfruit, the jackfruit and have a, uh, a pretty solid, you know, fulfilling experience cool. with that as well. So, yeah. I've basically gotten used to traveling light after okay. I eat, which, you know, it's it's been positive for me. But as far as... You know, being really honest with, hey, if I'm going to have a choice between a street market with the burrito factory in the back mm-hmm. and eating healthy, I think for the immediate gain of eating that burrito, I'd go with the street factory. But for the me personally, I, okay. I, uh, I've gotten used to, and it's also broadened my palate being able to experience different types of food because i was really enjoying the way you were describing your <laughs> ratios of salsas and There's, those ingredients in there i've come to really love that that part of the burrito yeah well it, it's again it's unique for each person and it's uh certainly a experience having to describe a burrito exactly the way you eat it because that's it's not every day you get asked that Right, right. And as we're talking burritos, I mean, remind you what we're sitting at at Louis' <laughs> Bass Corner. Yes. Um, and uh, to speak to that, you have experienced the Bass Dining. Yeah, I've had Bass food before. Yeah, yeah, and it's mm-hmm. it's a pretty great experience. Could you maybe share your little experience? Just um, imagine you did that. It, out it east, was wasn't somewhere it? in I feel like Gardnerville that I had Bass food for the first time. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, they've got some. There's, there's got a really good Bass restaurant that my family went to and. It was really unique. I think I had, I think I had rabbit when I was there or mm-hmm. something, um, or some or chicken prepared in the Basque way. But yeah, I mean, it's it's delicious food. It's it's not something that's immediately available in Truckee, but it's um, you know if you if you haven't experienced it, it's worth stopping in and and checking it out because it's. I don't. I don't exactly know how to describe it since. I well, don't. no, that's a great way to describe it. It's yeah. it's for it's it's a personal experience where you actually have to sit down yeah. and be like. You know, you, you look at the menu, you're like, well, what is it? And it's not until they bring it out mm-hmm. and you experience the way that they seat you and they treat you and, and, yeah. and, and everybody kind of kind of gathers around it and, 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 you know, comes together. So it's pretty, pretty awesome experience. So, so we'll do a quick, 
we'll do a quick segue here mm-hmm. um, for those hitting the Truckee River. Sam, what is your quiver of choice and three flies? Your 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 year round uh, selection for somebody year, that's year like I don't know selection. what to do. Um, you got you got one rod, you got one line, you got three flies. I'm gonna do Sam selection. <laughs> I'm gonna do a let's see. I'll start off with the uh, pink squirm worm. Mm-hmm. Um, with uh, hot pink, that's probably my my go to worm fly. And then from there, I do. You know, this is kind of the issue. You could always do like an egg or a bead in some kind of orange or peach color. Yeah. Uh, but then you can also do kind of like a larger midge or mayfly. So I'd probably do like a, I don't know, like a size, if I'm going, you know, an actual fly, I'd do like a size 14 or 16 black jig head bead, a black bead jig head pheasant tail mm-hmm. um without any flash and then on back of that i do a size 18 or 20 just generic betas pattern yep and that would be my go-to rig year round nice love it <laughs> yeah and, and again the 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 egg or bead or interchangeable with the the squirm worm as long as i have something flashy up top sure I think that's all that matters Awesome. Thanks for that. Cause that, yeah. that'll, that'll help some people out there. Yeah. yeah maybe, maybe. Down, I mean, yeah. You know, <laughs> you got to know where to put it and whatnot, but yeah. And then, and then, um, as we get close to wrapping it up, I want to make sure that if somebody wants information on trout unlimited, uh-huh. how to get in touch, be a member, where, where can they go again? Where- yeah. So the, our, our national website is, is tu.org. So it's troutunlimited.org. Um, from there you can sign up to become a member get connected with the chapter um, and anything along those lines. If you're, again, just interested in, in checking out what's going on locally in terms of the Truckee office, uh, follow us on Instagram at Trout Unlimited CA or at Truckee Trout Unlimited. Um, and that will get you connected with our um, local social media accounts. And we're relatively active on both of those. Um, so again, you can do that, uh, go on our website and then, um, you know, again, if you're ever, for some reason, if you uh, have any other questions, you can always reach out um, to my email as well, samuel.cedillo at tu.org. Can you spell that? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I was hoping you wouldn't ask me that. It's S-A-M-U-E-L dot S-E-D-I-L-L-O at T-U dot O-R-G. Beautiful. Thank you for yep. that, man. Of course. And again, thanks for joining us uh, mm-hmm. on this episode of Burritos, Breaks, and Flies. We really enjoyed your company. We learned a lot, and hopefully our audience learned a lot about how TU is involved in the community and, and obviously who's standing behind that out here. And um, again, if you have um, you know any need, you want to volunteer with them, you want to join TU and, and get more involved, um, take Sam's information and run with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'd, I'd say on behalf of uh, us fly fishers and anglers in general, thank you. Uh, Thank you for the work that you guys do to make our enjoyment uh, that much greater. Cool. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate uh, you all giving me a chance to talk about the work that we do and then also talk a little fishing and burritos as well. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) All right. Yeah, thanks, guys. Absolutely. Thank Thank you, Sam. And that's it for this episode. So until next time, we'll, we'll see you on the river.
Kuzumo Zespa in my DeLorean. War's over, I'm a piece of Mandalorian. The story is dumb, Star Wars historians, deep in debate, but they play at Ben against. Rhyme Renegade, show to penetrate, first and second defense. I won't hesitate, got a job to do when Darcy the guy that delegates. Got something against Skywalker, someone he really hates. I don't give a fuck, I'm after Solo, for all I care, he could be hiding Yoda's dojo. Gotta make the money, credit's no good when a job is run a shop in your neighborhood. Think you can cook, I got a grappling hook. Let's make this quick, cause I'm really booked. I'm a devious degenerate defender of the devil, shut down all the trash compactors on the detention level. My backpacks got chance. Want, but there's gonna be a cost Say my name is Boba Fett I know my shit is tight Start acting right Yo, fuck on a carbonite Got telescopic sight Flamethrowers on my wrist You still don't get the jet Spike boots to made the kick Targets to made the hit You think I give a shit? Your mama is a bitch I see you in the Sarlacc pit You just flipped my switch Integrity's been dead. You scratching on my itch You know I shoot again I got the bean and second tears Way to lick my lusty lips So I'll let you get back Inside your little spaceship Give you a head start Cause I'm a sporting con Consider the starting line And sneaky smile Hot inside Hope you have hyperdrive Cause I never take a bribe To the beat of a different drama Bad bunny hunter Let no man put us under Or else they be put under As in six feet Got an imperial fleet Backing me up Gonna blow up any attempt to defeat They got a death star Got four payments on my car Handed over to Hammerhead At most I see bar Used to carjack And he's a bar back Just go to show how you can get back On the right track As for me that's not an option Can't say that with more clarity Me going legit would be like Jar Jar with speech therapy My backpacks got jets Well I'm Boba Or the fat Well I bounty hunt For Jabba Hutt To finance my vet Shut it off. Uh, just come by the station, all right? I'm going to be sleeping on one of the benches. 